from God, no new understanding of who God was, and no new feeling of what he wanted for my life and what he was leading me to. And guess where that trickled down, gentlemen? Right into my family, to my wife, into my kids as well. In fact, this was a time, uh, if there's it, been any time in my 17 years of marriage, this was a time that I was most distant and most unsure about the woman that I was spending the rest of my life with. Now, it was clear for us, divorce was never an option. But to have a marriage that wasn't thriving, that's not what I wanted either. And if any, in my 17 years, that was a time where I look back and I would say, man, it was, it was just a disconnect. I didn't quite know now how to be engaged with this person that I had committed to for uh, the rest of my days. I felt like in that moment, when the realization really hit me, I felt like about as little of a man as I've ever been. Now, um, I do a little taekwondo. Um, that's about as much action that goes on in my life. Um, you know, I'm not, not a big gun person. You know, I haven't jumped off any buildings like John McClain uh, recently with a fire hose attached to me. Um, not, not a major adventure type of thing like that. And so there's times in our life where I, I think where we get that a little confused that that type of adventure, that risking on the eggs type of adventure, if we don't have that, especially if we don't have what we see in movies sometimes, then we're really not quite living the manly life. But I'm going to tell you, that morning, when I really realized it, that was the moment where I was sure I was less of a man than I probably had ever been in my life. Because I know one thing about God's Word. It has called me into being a man in such a way that's very, very different than the images that we just saw on the screen. Very different. In fact, I'm so moved by the last three minutes every time I watch it, even here sitting in my chair, you know, trying to look away and ignore it so I didn't get up and you see little, you know, misty eyes up here. <laughs> like, how manly is that going to be to get up and preach a sermon with water in my eyes? Um, but it's very different. What God in the Bible calls us to. And we, we think about manhood. I want to share with you a passage this morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and open it up. And this is a passage, I'm going to guarantee you know it. All right? This is a passage that men really like, women really hate, and people that are indifferent on it, they don't quite know what to do with this passage. And so we get a lot of statements on this passage that start with the, the phrase, well, I think that, and then we get some interpretation of it, right? And so I want to look at this passage this morning, men, and I want to recognize that this morning I realize we have, we have lots of different stages of manhood in here, and we have some of you that, are, that aren't married, you're single, not dating, some of you, you know, you're dating, some married, some married, no kids, some married with kids. I realize we run the gamut, all right, in here. So this passage is going to directly hit with the man and his wife, but you just, you just translate this and catch the core wherever you're at uh, in, in your level of, of manhood now. Whatever, wherever you're at, you just translate it to how it works for your situation. But the biblical truth, I think, rings true. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. It starts in verse 23. It says this, A husband is the head of his wife, like Christ is the head of the church. That is the Savior of the body. So, Wives, submit to your husbands in everything like the church submits to Christ. Now, you can see why men really like this verse, right? I mean, here this verse is clearly stating, if you want to dwell especially on just a couple words, it's saying, man, head of the house. Woman, submit 
to the man. If we want to focus on just a couple words there and not catch the whole thing, that's a verse men seem to go away and, and somehow really enjoy. Women hate this verse because it seems like Paul is being very chauvinistic in his writing here. So when we look at Paul and we go, man, what is Paul's deal here? Think that Paul hates women, right? But when we really look at this verse and we start to break down the implications of what a man is being called to, let me tell you this morning, men, you have a heavy, heavy burden on your shoulders. It's huge to be a man of God and to follow this verse and act it out like it's being, in, like we're being instructed to. A man is the head of his wife. How? Like Christ is the head of of the church. You see, men, sometimes we, we get really off on a verse like this, and we start to argue about things with our spouse on, um, you know, where we're going to go on vacation, or where we're going to go to dinner, or uh, maybe how we're going to spend our money on a certain item on this, or should I discipline the kid this way, or should I discipline the kid this way? And what do we pull out at the very end of it all when, when we're at an impasse and we can't decide? We pull the big trump card out, right? The Ephesians 5 trump card. Well, it says there, I'm the head of this house, and what I say goes, and that's what we're going to do. And so we roll it out, and we say things like that. Now, some of you, I know, men, you're not quite bold enough to say it quite like that, you know, with this thundering fist. But we try to work that in, and we almost use this verse to back it up. But look at what the verse is saying. Husband's the head of his wife, like Christ is the head of the church. How is Christ the head of the church? Well, in order to do that, you've got to go back to your Gospels, and you've got to look at who is this Jesus Christ character after all. How does Jesus Christ serve the church? How is he the head of the church? As far as I understand it in God's Word, there's only one person that died for the church. There's only one person that went to the cross and sacrificed himself by God's will for the purposes of the church, Jesus Christ. And so we're being called to be like that example as well. Now, when we start to put it in this context, we have to understand, guys, right away, to be the head of anything causes you great sacrifice. It's great sacrifice. In fact, there's a specific role that you're going to follow. And Jesus had the same type of thing. And Jesus in the garden said, Father, if you would let this pass from me, I would really appreciate it. But not by my will, but your will be done. Men, It means when we look at a passage like this as the head of the household, guess what? You're not controlling your will. God the Father is controlling the will and and leading you where he wants you to go and how he wants you to be the head of the family, the head of this household. It's pretty, pretty amazing there. When we start to throw that into the verse, it doesn't sound quite as fun to be the head. Sometimes in our businesses, we look at the boss's chair, right, or the boss's position, and we think, you know, if I were in that position, I would do such and such and such. We wouldn't have some of these problems if I was there. We rarely ever think about the responsibility that goes with that position as well. We think about our, our politicians sometimes, right? And we think about their role and what they do. And we think, well, if I was there, I would do this, this, and that. And maybe you would, and maybe it'd be different. Maybe it'd be better. I don't know. But we don't always think about the responsibility, the stress, the pain that comes from those type of positions as well. You see, when we use this verse to get our way, we have forgotten the responsibility that comes with this verse this challenge. And at the very core of this verse is to say that we surrender to the Father. We surrender 
to God. Look, men, this morning, I don't care if you're married, unmarried, dating, 14 years old, 70 years old, it doesn't really matter. We surrender to God's will. And when we're ready to surrender to God's will, according to Ephesians 5, that's when we're really starting manhood. That's when we're being the man that God wants us to be. When we look to our Heavenly Father and we say, Father, what is it you want me to do? And then we have our answer and we say, yes, I will do that. That's obedience to the Father. You see, it's out of that that God has called us to lead our households and, and to serve our households in this way. Let's take a look at the, the second verse. It says, so wives submit to their husbands in everything like the church submits to Christ. You see, when we're looking at that verse, women obviously, again, we don't like this verse. Men like this verse too. And men, sometimes we like to use this. See, the Bible says, submit. Woman, submit to me. No, why are you arguing with me? The Bible says to submit. But look at it more closely. Submit to their husbands and everything like the church submits to Christ. Now, think about Christ for a second. Think of his personality. Think about the way he led his people when he was on earth. You see, when I look through the Gospels, I see a couple times where Jesus was strong, he was even angry, and he was blunt. But it was never with his people. It was with these religious leaders who played the part and acted the part, but had no real understanding of what salvation through Jesus Christ was going to be about. But to his people, he was kind. He was compassionate. He was loving. He brought them along. He spoke truth to them, never shied away from it. And so when I look at this verse, here's what I think, what I find in this when you put it together, that men, if you are leading your household in the same way that Christ led people when he was on earth, serving people, loving with people, being compassionate to them, not coming as the judge, but coming as the Savior, if you led your family, your wife that way, why would she not want to submit to that? Why wouldn't she want to come under that as well? I mean, we want to come under somebody who is loving us and caring for us and, and leading us in a way to be close to our Savior and to our God. And so we surrender under that, right? We surrender under Christ. And that's what the verse is getting at. The verse doesn't care about you being the one that chooses whether you're going to a steakhouse or a seafood restaurant that night, blown out of context entirely. The verse is saying, look, women, if your man is leading you to God, if he's directing your household and your family into the presence of God, submit to that. Surrender to that. Go with your man because you got a biblical man. That's what it's saying. On the flip side, it's saying, men, you have an incredible responsibility here to usher your family and your spouse into the presence of the Lord regularly, daily. Listen, men, if you're coming on Sunday morning, right, and you're getting your fill for an hour, and then you get in the car and you head out of here, and there's not an ounce of conversation about what God is doing in each other's lives throughout the week, men, you're not following this verse. We're not getting it done. It takes so much more than that to get it done. Can I share with you three things that I just believe are kind of expectations of, we kind of say expectations of a, a Wendover Hills man, but these are expectations, I think, of a Christian as well. Now, there's many, many things the Bible would call a man to be, but these in our men's ministry here are three that we're focusing on specifically. Here's number one, that every single man would be in quiet 
devotion time with the Lord in his word every single day. We just believe it starts with this. Men, if you don't get into God's word and fill yourself up, you just don't have anything to offer. It's like the guy that's so addicted to working out that they just can't even take an hour off of doing some type of workout. The body just never stops and regenerates itself. You're always working off fatigue. It's the same way spiritually. Men, if we're not in God's word every day, being fed, being built up by what God's trying to share with us, we got nothing to offer our spouse. We got nothing to offer our kids. I used to have a seminary professor that would say, if you show me a pastor who's not in the word every day, and I'll show you a pastor that burns out in two to five years. That's about just how long you can make it without plugging in. And in our marriages, maybe that time frame's about similar, men, that if you're not plugged in, then you're going to be a man that's kind of burned out on this whole Christianity thing. You're going to be burned out on the whole family thing. You're definitely going to be burned out getting in the car and doing the carpooling and all the kind of things that go sometimes with being a dad in the family. But you get built into every day with God's word, you got something to offer. You got something to give. And you got a couple pair of strong legs to stand on during that time. That's number one, guys, getting into the word. Right now, if statistics would hold to us, I probably am speaking hard to about 95% of men in here. If statistics were to hold true, about 95% of you would not be in God's word daily. It's a pretty big number. Now, we're a bunch of Christian men in church, so maybe the percentage kicks up a notch. But the bottom line is most men are not in God's word daily, engaging with what God wants to teach us so that we now have something to offer. Here's a second expectation I think we all have, um, and that is that every man, if you're married with kids, every man would be leading their family in devotions. Guys, we have to stop the strand of just sending that over to mom and letting her handle it while we either do our own thing or we just stand in the room at very best. Guys, we have to be the ones that start engaging with our family in God's word. So you don't know enough about scripture? So what? So what? Do you know everything about a car when you've showed your kids something? I don't know much about the car, but I, you know, every once in a while I say something. Then I go Google it to make sure I said the right thing. So just to be sure. Um, just share what you know. Share what you know. I was at this baseball convention once, and this guy was teaching this new bunting strategy, you know, where you turn and you hold the bat out and you just try to hit the ball a short ways. He was teaching a new style of bunting. It looked very different. It was very odd. And when you do that with, with a bunch of baseball coaches, you're going to have guys in the room going, this is ridiculous, this type of thing, you know. Um, and one guy asked afterwards, like, how would I teach this? And his response was, learn some of it, teach what you know. Learn some more, teach what you know. Learn some more, teach what you know. Before you know, you, you, you'll have it pretty much down and you'll be teaching the whole system and you'll be just fine. And that teach what you know resonated with me. Men, just teach your kids what you know. If you're getting into God's word daily, just teach them what you know. Teach them what God is sharing with you. Teach them what he just said this morning in devotion. Teach them what he shared when you were at your, your, your Monday morning 6 a.m. fuel or Saturday morning 8 a.m. fuel. That is a marketing plug right there, gentlemen, to be at. All right? Um, teach them what you just learned and share with them what you know. Guys, we have to break the cycle of standing there and just saying, Mom, you do that. You know more about the word than I do anyway. I'm just going to you know, maybe have my presence here. And guess what it translates into? This translates in as mom's the spiritual one. Dad teaches me how to do stuff, but mom's the one I go to for spiritual issues. And that may work when you're looking at them and they're six, seven, eight years old, 
Men, that's not going to work when they're teenagers. It's not going to work when they're adults. They're going to be looking to the stability of their father. And that spiritual stability is so important. So start it now. Here's the third expectation. This might throw you for a loop, but our third expectation is that every man at Wendover Hills would guide their family and how to properly use their finances. It's so huge. When men right now set a tone in their family about how they use their money, first of all, tithing and being generous to the Lord's house, and then what you spend your money on outside of it and how you you gauge what you have and what you can spend. We're teaching valuable lessons to our kid with every dollar we spend. Are we teaching them that our best fruits, our first fruits, go to the Lord? Are we teaching them that we don't spend what we don't have? What are we teaching them with our money? We just feel like if we could get every Wendover Hills man to be responsible with their finances, to be a tither, to be generous, and then to, to gauge how they spend their money, and they teach their family that, then we've just multiplied a large disciples in our church that are down the hallway right now in how they use their money, and they'll do it as they become teenagers and adults, and then as they have families of their own. Those are three expectations that we have on every man here. As you look at it, ask yourself, I mean, where are you at in that? If you're not getting plugged into God's Word every day, men, you're missing a huge opportunity of what God has to offer you. Listen, I know all the excuses. I don't read very well. I read slow. I don't like to read. Um, can we just agree, though, right now, that those are excuses? <laughs> They're excuses that keep us from doing it. And get it on CD. I, I don't care. Just get into God's Word every day. And then turn around and invest that into someone else. Your kids are right there to invest it. Maybe you're this morning, you say, look, I don't have any kids, or my kids are out of the house and they're gone. Listen, I got plenty of men that are ready to be one-on-one discipled. You just let me know, and we'll turn you right around. We'll build into you, train you, and we'll let you one-on-one disciple another man in the church as well. You can build into them that way. And then maybe this morning you're like, man, I never really thought about finances. Usually men have a lot of control over that avenue in the home. Maybe it's time to start looking at that as well. As a close, I want to just share uh, two things that I think could be challenges to you as you go out of here. Uh, many of you, your, your, your wives are gone. They're at women's retreat. They're going to come home jazzed and energized. They're telling you about what, what God has done in their life and where God is leading them and, and this type of thing. All right? But this morning, I really believe that there's enough men in here that are ready. You're right at the verge of needing to make your own kind of commitment in your life as well. And I want to lead you just in, in a couple opportunities this morning. Number one, if you're a man this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you've been part of our fellowship for a while, maybe you're like, well, I go to church, doesn't that make me a Christian? But you've never yourself stopped and said, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to live for him from here on out. If you've never done that, this could be the morning when we pray in just a minute where you say, I'm going to accept Jesus into my heart and I'm going to be a Christian from here on out. A biblical Christian, not just a I come to church kind of Christian, but, but what the Bible calls. Secondly, in just a minute when I pray, men, I think there's many of you that are right on the edge and you can identify the obstacle that keeps you from, from being close to God. The obstacle's right in your path. You know what it is, and you just have not taken the time to remove it. The obstacle that will allow you to spend more time with God. Four months ago, my family, we got rid of TV entirely. I don't tell you because it's holier than thou. Don't look at it that way. One of the best things I've ever done in 17 years of my marriage. 
It's been incredible. Now, do I miss things? Absolutely. I haven't seen a baseball game all season other than one night at Rodney's house when we had dinner there. Um, you know, oh, I had some vacation too. Let me say that right. So, few games. That's tough for me to miss baseball all season long. The best thing, though, to get rid of that, why? It was an obstacle to me spending time with God. It's an obstacle to me spending time with my family and building into my family. It was an obstacle. I could see it clear. It only took me about five or six years to remove it. You might know the obstacle very clear in your life today, gentlemen. Why not from now to when your wife walks in the door? Why don't you make the, make the commitment to rid yourself of that obstacle? When your wife comes in to share with you her commitment from camp or what the Lord did, how about if you say, honey, you know, the Lord really hit me with something this morning. This has been an obstacle and say what it is. How about we remove this, get this out of our way so we can be closer together and be closer to God? You could do that right now this morning or before your wife walks in the door. If your wife's not at camp, she doesn't need to be at camp, retreat. She doesn't need to be at retreat. If the Lord's hitting you that way, then remove the obstacle. Get rid of it right now and start leading your family and yourself in being closer to God and in that direction uh, as well. Let me pray for you this morning. And... uh, I want to ask, Lord, men, I, I know that, men, you don't like filling out these cards uh, um, very much, but I'm going to ask this morning that, men, if there's anything I need as your pastor to be praying for you about this week, if there's any way that I need to engage with you or, or we need to talk this week, would you let me know on that card? Just write your name and something on the back, and I'd really appreciate spending that kind of time with you this week. If you don't happen to get a card in, you forget, give me a, give me a call, and let's, let's spend some time doing some business before the Lord as men this week. Let me pray for you. Father, this morning, um, Lord, I know I'm a man that if there's any area that I feel incredibly inadequate in at times, it's, it's spiritually leading my house. Sometimes, Lord, I know I sit back and I think, man, I, I gotta step it up. And Lord, I know this is probably men that joined me this morning. Would we recognize at the core of anything, Lord, is it's our own time with you. So, Lord, this morning, if there be any obstacle for any man in this room that's preventing them from having an engaging relationship with you, I pray, Lord, pray right now, but even before I finish this prayer, that they would already have made the commitment in their heart that they are going to remove that obstacle. And then would you charge them, lead them right into it when they get home today to start getting that thing out of the way. Then, Lord, I want to pray for, maybe, maybe there's only one or maybe there's several in here, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Savior. And this is the morning for them to say yes. To say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. In an instant, they're your child. If that's you this morning, just go ahead and do it. Pray however you want, whatever word. Just say, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Heartfelt all that's needed. Lord, would you guide us the rest of this Sabbath here? May we find rest in you today, challenge in your word. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord, bless you for coming today and being a part of it. Men, we're glad that you are here especially. Um, women, you got, uh, you got some nice, nice fodder now to take home with you and good conversations with your men. Um, I want to remind you, next week is Baptism Sunday.
And so uh, we'll be baptizing several. If, if you've never been baptized as a believer, maybe when you were a baby you were, you were baptized, but there came a time in your life where you owned your faith. And you said, you know, I, I'm a Christian by my choice. We would love to baptize you if you haven't been baptized. So would you let us know on the card, just write baptism, or if you don't have a, a pen here with your card, you can go to the back table and you can just write on the baptism sheet uh, there. That would be great. We'd love to baptize as many as we can. It's going to be a high-energy, fun, ruckus time next week, and so we'd love to, to have you join us for that. Finally, if you're, if you're new with us, uh, we'd love for you to take the card. Just fill it out, and if you go to the back table, Dave Dude's going to be back there. We've got a little gift for you this Sunday, and and uh, we're just glad that you're here. So, sound good? All right. Well, our ushers are going to come and receive our, our morning tithes uh, and offering. The, the envelopes are available for you there on the chairs if you would use those. Um, at this point in the month, we're, we're a little shy, a little shy of hitting our numbers on that. And so, we pray this morning it would just translate into staying obedient with our tithes and offerings. So, why don't you stand with me, and we'll, we'll go out singing one.